That's what we're talking about right now as a church. We're talking about the fact that we are a church called to a mission. Um, located at the intersection of truth, relationships, and mission. During the month of April, the mission is our focus. And I want to begin this morning as we look at the Word of God for the next few moments. I want to begin by reading just a, a few words from a past... Yes, youth, you can now be dismissed. Okay. <laughs> I knew I'd forget that. So God bless you guys. All right. Uh, from Pastor Greg Groeschel, uh, I want you to listen to, to, what, to an experience that he had. What I saw years ago still breaks my heart. I was preaching for a church. The volunteer receptionist told me bluntly, young man, you better do a good job preaching because we have a visitor coming to church today. Evidently, that was unusual. She explained how a lady had just called and asked for directions to the church. So before the service started, I stood outside with a church elder greeting people. That's when I saw the visitor. The reason I knew the lady wasn't a member of the church was, well, she didn't look like anyone else there. All the members were dressed in nice suits and pretty dresses. The young lady looked like she'd slept in what she was wearing. It wasn't that she didn't care for herself. It was just obvious that she'd had a tough life. So as she slowly approached the church, her eyes and body language communicated that she was nervous and intimidated. I admired her courage to visit a new church all by herself. What had triggered her to come? Had she been abused? Was she at the end of her rope and in desperate need of Christ and his people? The elder stepped in front of the young lady and blocked her path into the sanctuary. Miss, the man said in an intimidating voice, at our church, we wear our best for God. My jaw dropped in shock and I thought to myself, no, you didn't just say that to her. Unfortunately, he had. This young woman's eyes filled with tears as she dashed to her car to make her getaway. He goes on. Let me, let me read the next paragraph. He, he says, I'd argue that people today aren't rejecting Christ so much as they're rejecting the church. Once I asked a guy why he didn't go to church. He responded without hesitation, because I've already been. Have you ever visited a church and felt overlooked? It makes you feel incredibly awkward, uncomfortable, and unwanted. What's odd is that churches that appear unfriendly to outsiders can be full of the friendliest people in the world if you're an insider. Churches are often very friendly. In fact, they can be so tight, so bonded, so close to each other that they unintentionally overlook those that they don't know. On the other hand, some churches remember that Jesus came for outsiders. He came for those who were lost, broken, hurting, disenfranchised, alone, overlooked, poor. Jesus came for those whom religion rejects. Many churches unwittingly focus inward and forget those who are the very purpose for Jesus' coming, the very purpose for our being here on earth. These churches are like a hospital which no longer serves patients or a soup kitchen, which no longer feeds hungry people, or like SpongeBob, who no longer wears square pants. Now, he stuck that in just for humor, I think. Anyway, across the board, churches filled with joy and life and growth that I've observed are churches virtually obsessed 
with reaching those who do not know Christ. I just wanted to read that this morning. I didn't want to read it to Calvary Church because we aren't reaching out to people. I mean, I, didn't, I am grateful for the way this church family does reach out and notices new faces that come among us. And I know that there are people in every section here every week when there's people in there that you haven't seen before. You're making it an intentional thing to say, hi, welcome, glad you're here today, and to, to, to reach out to people. We, I believe we're a church where the love of Jesus Christ is more than just the Christian script that we talk about inside the walls of our church. But you know, it is so easy, isn't it, in the middle of all the wonderful, holy, spiritual words and the spiritual things of Christianity to lose the reality and the power of these words and the mission that Jesus gave us. You know, it even happened one time at a church service where Jesus himself was the guest speaker. One of Jesus' biographies, biographers, Mark, he tells us about that church service in Mark chapter 2. And we're going to take a quick look at it right now. In verses 1 and 2, it says that when Jesus entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. Now, when it says he came home, Jesus himself didn't own any property. He didn't own a home there. But a lot of scholars think that the home there is Peter's because Peter lived in Capernaum. And so that was where he stayed when he was in that village. So they gathered, the people of the village gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. So it was an overflow crowd on that, at that church service. They ran out of chairs. The ushers were pulling their hair out. Uh, people were going out into, the, you know, out into the street. They were looking through the windows. People packed in as t- like sardines. And Jesus was in there preaching the word of God to them. And wouldn't that have been quite a service to be at where Jesus was the featured speaker himself? What a sermon that would have been. And you can imagine that the people were hanging on every word he spoke. Well, verse number three uh, tells us that some men came to the service bringing to him a paralyzed man. He was being carried by four of these men, four friends. Uh, Now, this man was probably one of the most desperate in need of Jesus' people in the entire village of Capernaum. He'd been paralyzed all of his life, and so his four unnamed friends showed up that day knowing that this man would never be able to get to the service where Jesus was speaking unless he was invited and unless they encouraged him, unless they made it happen. So... They said to the guy, come on, we're going to go to church today. So they picked him up on his mat, and they just carried him to Peter's house. But when they got there, as we read, the crowd was so great, and the congregation was so completely centered on Jesus, and that's a good thing, right, to be centered on Jesus. The crowd was so absorbed with Jesus that this guy on the mat and the friends that were bringing him, they were were totally invisible to all the people that were so absorbed with Jesus. Now, there are two ways to be Jesus-centered. Two ways. Uh, Let me switch mics. Uh, Okay, so there's two ways to be Jesus-centered. There's one way is to be Jesus-centered in a self-centered way. And that is, man, what I'm getting out of Jesus. 
man, what I'm getting from church, what I'm, I love being with God's people. And man, I just love the word of God. And, and Jesus blesses, he's filling my life with so many blessings. And that's the kind of Jesus-centeredness that represented the, the church congregation that day. Because you might think that when they saw this desperate man come into, you know, coming to the service, that the crowd would have just sort of, hey, make way, spread way, let's get this guy right down front. Well, that didn't happen. And you might have especially thought that the 12 disciples themselves, who were on mission with Jesus, they would have said, hey, guy, let's, they would have acted like ushers and got the crowd, you know, brought, get this guy down into the front seat of the church. But it didn't happen that way. And so these four guys are standing outside the service, unable to get in. And so they, they probably started, they stopped and started to talk among themselves. Verse number four says, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd. Okay, now, this is where it gets really creative. Uh, one of these guys probably says, okay, well, we're probably just going to, you know, take him back home and we'll, come, we'll try again some other time. But there was another one of those four guys that said, wait a minute, no. This guy needs, he needs to be here. He needs to meet Jesus. He needs to, he needs to be there. So this one guy just has this creative, crazy, out-of-the-box idea. Let's just go up and dig a hole in the roof <laughs> and lower this guy down. He'll drop right down in front of Jesus. Now, the other guys probably at first said, no way, we can't, that's, that's radical, we can't do that. But you know what? They got convinced, and so that's exactly what they did. Now, houses back in that time, they had flat roofs, and they had stairways up along the outside, easy access. And the reason for that was, well, the houses were made out of slats of wood and then branches, and then they took a mixture of mud and sometimes manure and just patched it all together. And they grew, uh, a lot of people grew vegetables on their roof back there. They sort of had a little soil, a little garden on top of their roof. And so that's why the scripture says they dug through the roof. Anyway, uh, they carry their friends up onto the roof and they start digging. Now, imagine that service. You know, put yourself there. Okay, a ruckus on the roof, and pretty soon mud and manure start falling down on the heads of the crowd and even on Jesus himself. And there's this, they see sunlight and there's this hole getting bigger and bigger and pretty soon the faces of four men, sweaty, probably sweaty men, looking down through the hole on the crowd, eye to eye contact there, Jesus looking up at them. And then they get the ropes and they lower their friend on this stretcher down right in front of Jesus. Now that hole had to be at least six feet by three feet, I would imagine. It was a, it was a huge hole. Now, if this was Peter's house, what do you think his reaction was? <laughs> okay. What do you think the people's reaction was? Well, I would imagine a lot of them were really upset. After all, how could you disturb a service, a church service in a worse way? And most of all, they interrupted the Son of God. They interrupted Jesus. That's no small thing. What would your reaction have been if you'd have been there? Well, what was Jesus' reaction? Was it, ushers, get these guys out of here? No. Jesus loved it. And verse number five says, when Jesus saw the faith of these four men. Now, it's significant to me 
the way Mark states this. He says Jesus saw their faith. It doesn't say he saw the faith of the paralyzed man. In fact, there isn't even any reference to the faith of the paralyzed man in this passage. He says he saw the faith of the four friends that brought the man and dug the hole in the roof. And why is that? Because this paralyzed man may not have had any faith. He may have been lost in hopelessness. He might have even been angry with God. He may have long ago written God off in his life because he got such a raw deal in life. And so this becomes one of the most cherished moments and memories of Jesus in his ministry. Because these men had faith on behalf of a desperate friend who had no faith. And you know what? That is the mission. That is being Jesus-centered in a mission-centered kind of way. And our mission is to have faith on behalf of the people we are with every day, brush shoulders with every day, who do not yet have any faith in Christ. People who are paralyzed spiritually or paralyzed by anger or hardness of heart or bitterness or maybe people that you work with are completely irreligious. Mock, maybe you work with people that mock God. Mock the idea of God and from a Christian viewpoint would be very, very offensive. But you know what? No, we're called in our mission to have faith for all the people around us, no matter what their condition. We have to have faith on their behalf until we're able by Christ's grace to influence them and help them be brought to faith in Christ. That's our mission. To show and, and to try and, and by genuine care, as the Spirit opens the doors for us day by day with people to have an influence in their life. Maybe it's going to be sharing the gospel with them. Maybe it's going to be inviting a person to come to the service. That's what these four guys did. They just invited someone to come and check it out. That's one of the one of the things we can do as Christians. You know, we have to stop and ask ourselves this question every so often. I have to ask myself this question very often. Why am I part of this church family? What am I part of this church for? Well, here's some answers, and these are true. It may be conveniently located. Okay, that's great. Uh, It's a church that teaches Jesus without compromise. I love the worship And I hope people like the preaching, (laughs) okay? Uh, I love the kids' ministry. I love it. I love what's happening with my kids. I love the youth ministry. And I always feel encouraged when I leave. And I love the great friendships that I have been able to form in this church. And you know what? All of that is wonderful. And that's really what church family and church life should be, that. But is that the major reason we are part of this church, that we are united together as a church? Is that the main reason? No, it isn't. Most of all, we are joined together in the mission of spreading the news of Jesus Christ, bringing others, bringing others to to share in the message of Christ. 
So, does they, so as they become Christians, they become part of all those wonderful things that I just listed a few moments ago. And you know what? Here's a, here's a true statement. I believe it with all my heart that any church that forgets its mission is, is a dying church. It's dying. It's the mission that fills a church with life. Because it, that church is going to see new life, n- people coming to Christ and becoming part of its church family. I'm grateful that we're seeing that happen at Calvary Church. And my only prayer is, hey, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold, let's see it happen more and more and more and more and more for the glory of Christ. Because there are paralyzed people all around us every day, maybe not physically paralyzed, but paralyzed, spiritually paralyzed in a lot of other ways. We see them at work. We see them when we go to the gym. We see them in our neighborhood. We see them at school. We see them at the grocery store, wherever we go. Now, I wouldn't be here this morning, and I think I told you this one time before a few, maybe last year, that I wouldn't be here this morning if uh, one of my aunts, her name was Martha, had not way back in the early 50s, shortly after I was born, influenced my mother to start coming to the church uh, because my dad and mom did not go to church up at that, at that point. And uh, so my aunt, just through friendliness and kindness, invited my mom. She went to church. Now, my mom, uh, she, uh, she did not herself become a Christian for about, six years after she started going to the church. Uh, And then it was at that end of six years that the same Aunt Martha had a conversation with my dad one day and invited him to start coming to church and, in fact, prayed with him to receive Christ. And then my mom saw that my dad received Christ, and she received Christ as well. And the whole family then, we just, you know, we we were in the church. But but we were there because of someone's invitation. Someone reached out to us. Show of hands here. How many people are here this morning? How how many people know Christ here today as a result of the influence of somebody else in your life? All right. Almost almost all of us. And uh, so that's our mission. Now, verse number five uh, tells us uh, what happened next. It says this. Jesus said to the paralyzed son, to the paralyzed man. He said, son, your sins are forgiven. And I think that's, that's what this mission is all about. It's people coming. The, the most exciting thing that happened in that church service that day was a brand new person coming into the kingdom of God, a, a new person meeting Christ. Now, what do you think this man was expecting when he was laying there on the mat? What was he expecting that day from the service? Was he expecting to be healed? Well, I think he was probably expecting to be healed, but Jesus did something far deeper than that. He went down to the deepest part of this person's life, down to the deepest need. And this is what he said to him, son, your sins are forgiven you. Now, there were some religious leaders in the, in the service that day, and verses 6 and 7 tell us that they really got upset. It says, now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? They understood what Jesus was saying. When Jesus looked at this man and said, Your son, your sins are forgiven you, 
They were saying, what right do you have, Jesus, to forgive this guy's sins? Really, what Jesus was saying was, I, I am forgiving you. What they, they understood what he was saying. He was saying, I'm God. And they said, this, you're slandering, you're mocking God by making yourself to be God. Jesus was also saying that every sin that this man had ever committed was committed against him as God. You know, that's, and that's true for all of us, isn't it? Every sin that we've ever committed in this life is a sin that has offended God. It's against God. But what kind of a God is this? He's a God who sent his son right into our sinful world in the midst of all of us who have all fallen short of the glory of God by our sins. Jesus came right into the middle of it all to do what he did for this man. He, he came to do that for you and me too, to forgive us of our sins no matter what those sins might be, to wipe the slate completely clean so we don't have to walk around in shame, we don't have to walk around in guilt. We can have that burden completely lifted off of our lives and we can have a brand new life. That's what this man experienced in that service today. So, uh, Jesus, to prove that he had the authority to do this, in verses 6 in verse number eight, he says this, which is easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or to say, take up your mat and walk, but that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, go home. He got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this before. And so what a great service they had that day. And uh, that is the kind of joy, the joy of new birth, of people coming to Christ that I believe God wants to fill this church family with more and more and more as we stay Jesus-centered in a mission-centered kind of way. So what about, just incidentally, as we wrap this up this morning. <clears throat> Who fixed the roof? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't want to leave us without that. That'd be a cliffhanger. What about Peter's roof? Well, you know, I'll bet the, the four guys that brought this paralyzed man, I'll bet those guys were right up there in the roof fixing it afterward. I'll bet even the paralyzed man, now that he, could, he had use of his limbs, I'll bet he was up there helping. And you know what? There was a carpenter in the crowd that day, Right? I'll bet Jesus was up on the roof putting, putting Peter's roof back together again. Uh, so it was a great day. It was a good day at the church that day. And this all happened because four guys cared and brought a man with them to church, invited someone to come. In Calvary Church family, this is our mission. It's my mission. How do we go about it? I would say this. Jesus in the Great Commission said, as you are going about your way, about your life. Make disciples. Share this faith. How do we do it? Well, go into your world every day. Go into your world through the day praying for divine appointments. God, open opportunities for me today. Let my life intersect people today that, that somehow I can have an influence with. Maybe a conversation. Some, some way to point them toward you. God will answer those kinds of prayers. He's passionate about that. Secondly, living a Jesus lifestyle consistently before people. 
Number three, just in the course of natural conversations, let people know that you're a person of faith, not in some crazy kind of way, but just as it comes up in the conversations. Hey, at church yesterday, Sunday at church yesterday, this is what happened, etc. My kids are part of this, you know, and just sharing that part, that dimension of your life in, in conversation as, as the conversation flows that direction. Um, show genuine interest in people, genuine care for people, a listener. And when people share a need with you, you know, maybe it's a problem they're going through. Just, I think one of the one, most wonderful things we can say is, you know, I will sincerely pray with you about that. And do it. And do it. And then check back with them again and say, hey, how's that going? It's just a way of, of share, letting our light shine with people. And then ultimately, having an opportunity to have a conversation where we can actually share who Jesus is, share the message of Jesus with other people on the job in the neighborhood, wherever it might happen to be. One of the things you can do is what these friends did. You can just invite people to come to church with you and check it out, see what you think. And that's why we have these cards on the seats these last few weeks. They're invitation, just invitation cards, inviting friends to come and be a part of God's kingdom. So, called to be a Jesus-centered church in a mission, a mission-centered kind of way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. And Lord, we give ourselves to you to, to do this mission that you have called us to fulfill. Lord, open up doors of opportunity for this church family this week, Lord, that are just unbelievable. Opportunities to, to talk about you. Opportunities to have an influence. Opportunities to say, I'll pray with you about something. Or, Lord, we just want to go into our world shining out the light shining out the love and shining out the genuine joy that we have in Jesus Christ, the meaning we found in him. So, Father, we commit our ways to you today, and we ask you, Lord, that you'll go before us this week and help us to, to go everywhere sharing Jesus Christ. And we give you praise for these things we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.